Well, welcome to the vineyard. Getting out here so I can see everybody a little bit. And uh, glad that you're with us today. Thanks for coming. If you're in here safely, socially distanced, hello. If you're watching online, hello. Um, we're grateful for all of you. And uh, just excited to spend a little bit of time together. I'm bouncing around on the camera. I'll help you. Is that helping? <laughs> so, um, it's good to be here, guys. Thank you for coming. We, uh, oh, I do have to say this too. So, about a month ago, I started this Zoom thing called Vine Press. And on Tuesdays at 2, I, most of the time at 2, I, I talk about the sermon and I answer questions that people had during the sermon. So, uh, and if you, you know, I know that's a weird time of the day, but we record it and put it up on the website if you want to go back and watch it. But if you ever have any questions, I added another thing to the website called Vine Press Questions, and it's on the app. You go there, boom, hit the button, type in your question, and I will answer it, most likely on Tuesday. If I ever am short of material at the end of a service here, I'll grab the questions and start answering them, but that never happens. So, uh, but it could. But if you have a question and the stuff that I'm going through, I want you to ask them so we can talk about it. And uh, we've had some great questions. Uh, last week we had a great question from a guy in England who watches us as part of it. It's funny, isn't it, how things happen now on, uh, in today's world that, that uh, you can have people from all over that are engaging with you to the point where they're asking questions about things that you said. I love that. I think that's really cool. So that was John in England. Thank you. And... Uh, not that he's watching right this moment, but it's six hours different. He could be. Who knows? Anyway, um, we're talking about an unshakable foundation. And I, I want to thank you for sort of going with me through this. I just think it's so important. It just seemed like such an important time for us to work through these things together. And I know foundation work can be a little tough sometimes, but uh, it's always worth it. And, and that... that as we sort of look at his story together, uh, and that you get the bigger picture of what's going on, because it's not always it's, it's something that we grasp, the, the, the enormities of all the things that are happening, the enormity of the goodness of God, and, and the things that he's done. Um, and we, we haven't always looked at the Bible as one big story. It gets chunked up sometimes, and yet it's one big story from beginning to end, miraculously put together by the Holy Spirit, who inspired 40 human authors over 1,500 years to get these 66 books together, that, that are amazing in how they work together. And there's themes, and there's things that happen, and there's patterns, and there's things that we need to see and understand. And so I'm taking some time to kind of go through some ideas that are really important. And the, the big idea, one of the biggest themes that we have is this idea of that God wants to dwell with us. That, that it's this picture of heaven and earth together. It happened in creation. We saw it in Eden. And then the fall happens and it messed everything up. We saw it again and we're seeing it again in tabernacle, which we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We'll see it. We start to talk about temple today. Um, we see it in Jesus, heaven and earth combined, fully God, fully man. We talk about it in us, Holy Spirit now dwelling in us, heaven and earth, the place where heaven and earth meet, a very real place that you can grasp. And then the ultimate promises that we have about a new heaven coming to earth. And, and that this story, when you sort of get a hold of this story and you realize that's the bigger story, it changes the way, A, that you read the Bible, and B, it changes the way that you live this life out. Because it, it makes this huge difference in how we look at life. And, and the realities of the promise, based on all of the things that God has done, really changes how you feel in situations. 
So last week I looked at this great encounter uh, with Moses and God. It's I love this encounter because it's the reality of the relationship that God wants with it. God wants to dwell with us and he knows we come with some interesting quirks. None of you have interesting quirks, I'm sure, but some of us do. And, and yet you saw Moses getting real with God. And to me, it's the power of prayer. It's, it's, you know, and then it's echoed throughout the Psalms and that we go to him in everything, not just sort of, you know, when we have it all together, but in every situation, knowing that we can get with him and hang out with him and talk to him and, and that that was a huge deal. Well, today we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the story. We're going to move up to second Samuel and, uh, we're going to be talking about some amazing things that happened with King David, and we're going to look at the building of a house, and we're going to we're going to sort of dig into that together a little bit. So that's what we're heading into today. Uh, it's bad joke time. People have been complaining about my bad jokes, saying they they were worse than normal, which actually makes me happy. But I thought what I would do is sort of share with you. Uh, it's not easy to do bad jokes. So this past week, these are all from this past week. Pastor Billy, he sends me jokes, and. Uh, and I want you to get a taste of bad jokes from Pastor Billy. He sent me this one. A dog was arrested for stealing roof shingles. Turns out he wanted to be a woofer. See? You thought mine were bad. Now, this one actually is pretty good. But I needed to let, you know, let him have a good one every now and again. What do you call a cow that doesn't produce milk? An utter failure. So not bad. That's the best This one, one was terrible. Why did the espresso keep checking its watch? It was pressed for time. It's terrible, bro. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, don't, 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 don't don't try and start up your own applause. It doesn't work that way. I have a better espresso joke. What do you call espresso with a cold? Coffee. Thank you very much. See, that's way better. Thank you. Thank you. Alice, my love, come up. Rescue poor Billy. <laughs> poor Billy. <laughs> he does. He sends us jokes every day. And it's hard to like, oh, ha, ha. You know, how do you respond? So the lady with the face, you know, this, the face, that emoji, that's the one I send the most. <laughs> anyway, it's good to see you all this morning. Welcome back. Welcome home if you haven't been here since this all started. Let's return to the Father and pray together as a family. Amen? Oh, Lord. Father, first of all, we're just so very grateful to be here today, to corporately worship you, and to corporately dig deeper into your word. Father, I thank you that as we look to you, Father, that river that we sang about this morning, let it just flow through all of us today. Let it flow through us and out into the world around us so that love can truly lift us and lift those around us. Father, I thank you that you never leave us, that your eyes are always on us. And we thank you for this time together. Just bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Second Samuel this week. Chapter 7, verses 11b through 14a. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Blessed be the word of God. Amen. She's got, she got really red lipstick on, so we just air kissed just then because I didn't think the, the red lips would work on camera right now. I don't know. I guess we could try it next time. All right, so let's hop back into the story. And, and so we've been talking through this thing, and I, you know, I said, remember, creation, God in Eden creates this place where heaven and earth come together. God will dwell with us. And that's what happened. And then the fall messed that up. And, and then there was the Exodus. And we talked about the Exodus. Very important thing. And Exodus, that theme runs throughout the Bible as well. You need to be looking for that. How God continually rescues and delivers us when we go our own way. He's amazing that way. And he, he does that. And he, he takes them into the desert so that they can worship him. That There's a place where they can dwell again. And he, he's going to build the tabernacle. He's going to have them build the tabernacle. And remember, last week, that was um, what was going on. It was, is God was telling Moses how to build the tabernacle. Give them all the plans for everything so that he could come and dwell with them again. And that's when the people sinned with the golden calf. And it was a big problem. But uh, the tabernacle was going to be built. And, and it was. And that goes on in the story. And now there's a place. Praise God. There's a place again in tabernacle at this point in history where heaven and earth meet significant remember too the idea at the time uh, because i said even back in creation that when when that was you know recorded for us people would have understood that the idea of temple that there was a temple and then there was the image of god in the temple and that that when you went into the temple that you are actually changing sort of dimension you were actually going into heaven um whatever that might have been for them at the time and that understanding but when we have tabernacle we have a place where heaven is actually meeting on earth and when aaron uh, at that point in time would go in to the tabernacle that was a picture of the image of god in the temple this was a very real sort of idea that heaven and earth met and that idea was more easily understood back then than it is now because we have these philosophies uh, that have sort of worked their way into our thinking that cause us to think things like heaven and earth are millions of miles apart, that heaven is way up there, and, and you know, if there is a God, he's not very involved in any, any sort of way. That's Epicurean, Epicurious, is the guy who did it, and the, the ism goes on the end of that. And... Uh, because that word is not going to come out right now. But that's, that's a philosophy that has impacted us. Uh, another philosophy that when we battle between the two is Stoicism, which is like there is no God and it's up, if it's going to happen, it's up to us. We're, that's this idea of being Stoic, right? And I've got to make it happen. All right, so we have these things that have come in and really messed up the story of God, which is so much more intense and better than that story, where, where God wants to dwell with us. And this is the heart of God. There's a place where heaven and earth overlap and that's what God wants ultimately it will it will be you know the final uh, thing is absolutely will overlap so we're moving along in time there's been tabernacle you know outside, uh, outside the camp but God would come and they had access to heaven and earth heaven and earth met well now we're moving into the kings start to happen because Israel has a king in God, but they want, they want a king like everybody else. God tells them, you don't really want that. It's not going to be a good thing, but they do. So, yeah, okay, fine, you get a king. And they get Saul in the beginning, who wasn't a good king. And then they get David, who is a good king, a man after God's own heart. But, um, and I love this about the scripture when you read it, too. When you read about David, he was a good guy, but he did a lot of stuff that wasn't so good. 
like, like way out there sort of stuff. And you read that, and, it's so, and I, I remember I used to read the scripture and go, but this guy is like, God really likes this guy, but he's a mess. How come he's in the scripture? But ultimately, it's really a good thing, right? Because when you think about it, well, that's a good thing, because I'm really a mess too, but God really loves me. And so you can kind of settle in that. And it's this whole picture of God sort of looking at us, knowing, you know, how we develop over time. And then that's kind of the, the picture and the way he deals with us. But the messes are recorded in the Bible, which I think gives the, gives the Bible even more credibility that, that it's not just all everybody's good stuff. It's all their mess in there. So, um, David, at this point in uh, his life, uh, he wants to build God a house. Um, because uh, he's in a good place. Second Samuel 7, 1. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. So it's almost a, like an echo of Genesis. Everything is kind of set up for David now, and he's at rest. See, and so it's a, it's a good thing. But uh, he says to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. And David, good-hearted, he's like, You know, it's not right that I have a palace and God has a tent. How, how can that be okay? And his prayer is, I really want to build a house for God. That's his prayer. It comes from a good place. Although the, the tabernacle was not like some old tent that you picked up at Walmart. All right? It was elaborate, ornate. The presence of God was there. It was it was cool. But uh, he David wants to do something, so he's talking to Nathan the prophet about it, and in effect he's praying to God about it. And Nathan says, "It sounds good, but let me let me talk to God about it as well." And uh, so Nathan goes and consults with God, and then Nathan comes back to David, and he says uh, he says this. He says, "No, put the point number two. God says he will build the house." David, I know you want to do it for God, but God's got this. God's going to do this thing. Aren't you so glad that, that the good stuff is, is God's involved in doing the things that need to be done? It's really good news. Because even when, when, when our hearts are right and we want to do it, it's, it's God's the one who does it. And it's always better when God does it. And uh, he takes care of it. And so he says to David, now listen, I'm going to take care of this. This is the thing. Alice read it to you. Verse 11, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. David wants to do it for God, but God says, you know what? I'm going to do it for you. And when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. So uh, David says, uh, to, uh, God says to David, listen, I'm going to build a house for you. Now, when he's talking about this house, he's, he's introducing two ideas here. And he's looking at the house as a building. And the house is a family. And so you need to know there's two sort of streams, two sort of thoughts that are going with what, what God is saying right there through Nathan, the prophet. And the idea of, and you sort of get that when you talk about a house and a home, you know, you can kind of connect it that way. You know, the, the house is the, the physical thing, but really what makes it a home is your family and the, your relationships and the things that go on in there. That's kind of the difference. Okay, so as far as the building goes, Solomon... David's son is going to build the temple. He is actually going to build the temple. And the presence of God is going to come and dwell in the temple. And, and he, it does. He does. He comes and he, he dwells there. Um, the high priest goes in. Not very often. And there's a lot of rules. But he goes in. Again, you have the picture of temple and the image of God in the place. And so it's all set back up in the temple. But that's not the ultimate fulfillment. That isn't, you know, the picture that God had in the beginning, which is what we're always going back to. Right? It's the Genesis picture, the Eden picture, God and people dwelling together, heaven and earth together. But there, at least there's a place where heaven and earth meet in the temple. So Solomon's going to build the temple. 
I think it's funny though because you know David really wanted to do it, and uh, and so and, and but David's going to be obedient. But I love this. He wanted to do it so bad. If you continue to read the story, you find out that when when Solomon, because that's the picture of the building, Solomon's going to build the temple. When Solomon goes to build the temple. Everything is ready. David has it ready. I mean, he has every scrap of material, all the timbers, all the gold, all of the stuff for everything in huge quantities. David has amassed and stored because he really wanted to do it, but he, he knows he can't. He's got the plans drawn up. He's, he's got everything ready, but he can't do it. It's kind of kind of like our deck out here that we want to build our front. Everything's ready, but we don't have permission yet. And uh, it's another story. And 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 so. It's already, but Solomon realizes and he sees what's happening and he goes, okay, well, it's up to me. And so I'm going to have it built. And he, he puts it in place and he builds the temple. But even Solomon has this idea that there's more to the story. See, so there's, there's the building, but then there's this family picture. So look at what Solomon says in First Kings 8. Temple's built. He's praying for the presence of God to come. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. With your mouth, you have promised and with your hand, you have fulfilled as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant, David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me faithfully as you've done. Now, that, we have to interrupt there, because I told you last week, the really good news for us is that God is faithful to his promises. God keeps his promises, because we don't. And that the kings almost immediately go astray and, and that's another big part of the story but now and, and you know Solomon's kind of hoping that what God said was true he's really hoping the presence shows up here in the temple now God of Israel let your word that you promised your servant David my father come true but will God will God this is Solomon's question will God really dwell on earth the heavens even the highest heaven cannot contain you how much less this temple I have built See, he gets this idea, it's, it, it, God, will you really, and the answer is yes, God really wants to dwell. But the reality is, it's, the temple's never going to be enough. It was never intended to be that way. It's much bigger than that. It's, it's this whole picture of God dwelling with us, and, and that we have to understand that's the story that we're building towards. And, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to be a picture of the temple, heaven and earth, God and man in, in one. And then, you know, the promise we have, we'll talk about more Holy Spirit now dwelling in us, which is really cool. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, even Solomon gets that this is the building part, but there's more to the promise that was given at the time. And that's the promise uh, of the house as a family. So I want to focus in, if we could, on verse 12 for a minute. When your days are over... Uh, and you rest with your ancestors, this was the word to David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. So the idea of offspring, uh, we touched on back in the covenant with Abraham. Abram, if you remember, in Genesis 15. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So, so that's the idea that's being incorporated into verse, this offspring. And Abram believed the Lord, and uh, he credited to him as righteousness. And there's another powerful thing in verse 12 that uh, is said there 
And it says, I will raise up your offspring. And it, it, it could be translated, better translation there is, I will resurrect your offspring. Now, he does that in Jesus. Jesus is in the line of David, right? And Jesus will be resurrected. The, the first uh, among many, because we have that promise now. But Jesus is resurrected. Paul says, you know, I received uh, what is the uh, first importance that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And Paul is telling everybody, this is what's happening. And he's tying us back into this promise of what's going on. See, this is the, the promise being fulfilled. This is God's answer to David's prayer. I'm going to build a house for you, and, and what's going to happen is uh, it, there'll be someone in your lineage who is resurrected, and that's really the start of everything, and that's going to be Jesus. And, and the rest of the prophecy is, he is the one who will build a house for my name. And how is he doing that? He's doing that in us. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. And all of a sudden you start to see this picture of what, what God was intending to do. And, and not only is God the God of creation, he's the God of redemption. He's going to come and do it because we, we can't do our own thing. He's going to do it for us. And so he, way back there in Second Samuel, here's this picture of Jesus being painted. And you think, well, kind of couched in there, you know, I'll raise your offspring. You know, I've had this thought for a little while. You know, the, the enemy reads scripture. Right? We know that because of the, he, when he tempts Jesus, he tempts him with the scripture. So the enemy had access to the scripture, however that works. He doesn't know everything, but he knows the scripture. But see, he, some of these things are in there, and, and he didn't catch them. Because the resurrection of Jesus was a complete surprise to the enemy, or he wouldn't have been for it. Do, do, you, do you get that when he was pushing that thing to happen, he thought he was finally going to win? He'd been trying to stamp out the lineage all through the story, and he thought he finally had it done in Jesus. I got him, and, and I just have this thinking that the enemy at the moment when Jesus died was like, yes! And it was very short-lived. Because Jesus defeats death and raises again. Amen? And I just think that the, the enemy was like... Oh, no, I didn't see that coming. But it was there in the story the whole time. And I have this thought about Paul, who knows the scriptures, when he meets Jesus. And he's going, he goes for about ten years and studies. And he reads that. Do you think he's got to go, wow, that's what he meant. We're tied into that story. That's Jesus that's, that's happening and is the promise there, who defeats death. And he's the one that fulfills the house as family. And here's the great news in this story is that we're included in the family by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know what, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, see, how are we included? Because we're not in the line of David, the, you know, this resurrected offspring. But, but we're adopted in by the Spirit. And, and the spirit of adoption says, Abba, Father, right? See, we become the children of God. We become part of the family when we come to know Jesus and we believe in what Jesus has done and that he was resurrected just like their promise said and he's the first of many because we have that promise coming as well. See, we're included in the family and the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Paul says, whom you've received from God. You're not on your own. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells. And what an amazing thing this is. I, I just don't think we grasp this the way that we should. The, the, the scripture also says that the Holy Spirit, I, I told you, that is a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. And I think he's a deposit. How amazing is what's coming? 
If the Holy, because the Holy Spirit, you, you would think that's enough. That's good. Wow. Holy Spirit, God dwelling in me. How does it get better than this? I don't know, but he's the deposit of what's coming. It's going to be so amazing. And, and so we have to, it helps us to know that there's more to the story. He, Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 6.16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we're the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. You see, back to the beginning story is happening there. That's what God wants to dwell with us, walk with us. He'll be God. We'll be his people and we'll be his family. He says in that same passage, verse 18, I will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, pulling us all back into that promise in 2 Samuel. What an amazing promise and how amazing this story is to be a part of and how amazing it is to be a part of the family of God and and sort of tying it all together so that you can hang on to it changes everything because see what's coming because I said Holy Spirit that's that ought to be enough it's it's just a deposit what's coming is that when you understand how it was. What happened? The pictures of God bringing it back. And then when you get into Revelation 21 and you read about Jesus coming back and heaven comes to earth. See, too often we we sort of had this idea, again, based on some stuff that we've just sort of taken in over time and not knowing the whole story. We've often looked at heaven as the end point. And it's not. Heaven is cool. And when if Jesus hasn't come back and, and you pass on, it's going to be really cool. Don't get me wrong. You'll be excited to be there. It's going to be a rest. It's going to be cool. There'll be all these neat things that are going on, throne room experiences and great worship and really amazing stuff. But that's not the end point. And too, too often we sort of thought that's what we're ascribing to. And it's not because at the end, heaven comes to earth. But Peter even says, you know, because people go, well, it says, Peter says your inheritance is being kept in heaven for you. Kept for you, but it's coming here. Uh, he's bringing it when he comes. And, and everything is renewed here. And just the way Jesus was resurrected and became new, the whole planet is going to be resurrected and become new. And so are we going to be resurrected and become new. You get new physical bodies. You wouldn't need a new physical body if it was just going to be traipsed off into heaven. It's because we're going to dwell here on a perfect earth the way it was supposed to be back in Genesis. And we'll have things to do and it'll be an experience and an adventure and it'll be amazing. See, that's the hope that we have as believers. And when you have a hope like that, you're able to handle the hard stuff right now. This is not all there is. We keep trying to make this all there is, and it's not. This is hard. Fallen world, broken planet, a really horrible enemy who steals and kills and destroys. But God is going to take it and return. Love's returning everything you've lost. Do Do you get it? God is love. He's returning everything you've lost. And, and, and we get to experience it all in a perfect way. It's, it's just grasp little pieces of this. I know it's kind of overwhelming and it challenges a lot of things, but, but you begin to get a hold of this story. It will change how you live. It will change how you pray. It will change how you go through situations. It will change how you relate to other people. It will change how you relate to God. That's why it's so important to lay a foundation. You've got to see how it fits. And then it starts to work into it. Like I was reading this morning, and, and you know, you, maybe you've seen this verse before. Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. All of a sudden, when you get the story, this pop, the scripture's full of this. Uh, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ... 
to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, on, on earth under Christ. It's, all, it's always been in there for us to see, but we haven't grasped it. Colossians 1.20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He's all coming to that point. Hang on to hope, folks. It will change everything for you. Next week, I'm popping into Isaiah chapter 52. Read it if you can. If you really have time, it doesn't take long. Read 52, 53, 54, and 55. If you really got time, read 40 to 55, because that's one big poem. And it's, it's fascinating. But 52 would be good. <laughs> I, I, Alice, why don't you head up this? We're going to do a little ministry time. But I had this quick joke that just popped into my mind that now I have to get out of there. So the, the pastor goes to his flock. He says, listen, for next week, I want you to read Mark chapter 17. Okay. So they all come back next week. And he said, how many of you read Mark chapter 17? They go, a bunch of them raise their hand. There is no Mark chapter 17. <laughs> so I won't ask you if you read it or not, but I encourage it strongly. Okay. Sometimes when they get in my head, I got to let them go. All right. So we just want to take a moment. We can't do ministry on the wall. We want to, we want to pray for you. And just seek the Lord and ask Holy Spirit to come and, and uh, just bless you where you are. And so, Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would come and minister to your people. And, and Lord, you, you know, you're making it known to me that, that one of the things that people need right now is, is, is strength. And, and that this, this time has been wearying. And, and Lord, I pray that supernaturally now you would renew them, God, that like on wings of eagles, that that they would wait on you, Lord, and you would renew their strength. And God, that, that this, this little taste of a hope would just help in that process, that it would begin to stir it in, that they would realize that you're bigger than anything. God, that there's nothing that you can't do, that, that you're the God of resurrection power. And, and God, that resurrection power dwells in us now. And, and God, there's, there's nothing that we can't face with you, and that you will help us through this season. I just pray peace and strength, God. And renewing on each person here. Amen. I feel like there's someone that um, when you keep saying in your quiet time or even to, you know, in your thought pattern, I just want this to pass. I'm just waiting for this to pass. And the Lord wants you to know that in this waiting season, he is fixing your future. And you just need to look to him and he's going to give you peace. As you're in this, even right now, as you're waiting, and you're waiting for this to pass, but God wants you to know now, you have his peace now. And let him, let him worry about the future. Let him fix your future. And then um, there's somebody else, and you're just, and even Steve spoke to this, and even as you heard the message now, you're feeling hope rise within you. But in your, in your time, in your alone thoughts, you just have this burden Many, many burdens, actually. And you feel like the Lord has taken his eyes off you. And he says, I know every hair on your head. I know everything about your life. And my eyes have never left your face. And he wants to return you to that peace. That peace that his eyes are on you. So just look up. Amen. Amen. And and also, I think God wants to just touch somebody. You're having, you had some issues in your right hip. And that, that God just wants to breathe on that, for lack of a better word, and, and heal you. So if you've had issues in your right hip, just let God 
in power come and bring healing to you there. And in every area in your life, God, I just pray you would bring healing on your church and on your people, God, because you're good and you're faithful and you're amazing, God. Remember, all of this, the whole story starts with knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. We do that by just tagging into the story, by saying yes to God. We, we believe you, God. We're a mess. We've gone our own way. We've sinned. God forgive us, and he will. And Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And, and that's how the prayer, that's how it goes. It's that simple. If you've never prayed that, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just do it, like I said, right then. Just ask him to be, and it's the best decision of your life. If you do it, let me know by texting the word heart to that number so that I can celebrate with you. Best decision you'll ever make. This is the best story that there is. I want to thank you again for your amazing generosity, church. And uh, thank you for continuing to give uh, in, in all the online ways. Those of you that aren't coming here. And bless you, we've got a big outreach coming up Saturday. We're giving away uh, 300 sets of school supplies. It's a 1,000 pounds worth in backpacks that we have already and we're ready to go. So that's going to be really cool. We're doing that Saturday from 9 to 11. And then Labor Day weekend in September, we're, I got uh, Chef Matt and I are working on another Hello Vineyard meal. And we're going to give out a big vineyard um, sort of barbecue meal kit for Labor Day weekend, something they can make. So it's going to be it's going to be really cool. So thank you for allowing us to bless the community. Here we go. Praise God from whom all bless. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Remember, if you're leaving, go out those doors. They'll be opened for you so you don't have to touch anything. And make sure your masks are up and uh, keep the distance on the way out so, uh, so that we don't bottle up there. And uh, we'll see everybody soon. Have a great week. Think about hope, okay? God bless you guys. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.